Hello and welcome to the Hinterviews podcast with Peter Hinton, produced at the National Arts Center English Theatre and coming to you from the Salon at the National Arts Center in Ottawa. I'm Sean Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the seventh interview of the NAC English Theatre's 2010-11 season. In each episode, we will take you in the intimate world of the artists and creative minds behind productions on stage at the National Arts Centre English Theatre. In them, Artistic Director Peter Hinton chats with a guest artist associated with the production. In this interview podcast, Peter speaks with Mulgrave Road Theatre Artistic Director and Lockie, Liza and Rory producer Emmy Alcorn about touring productions from the East Coast, the history of Mulgrave Road, and what the theatre scene is like in Nova Scotia. Lockie, Liza, and Rory played at the NAC studio April 5th to the 16th. For more information about the NAC English Theatre's presentation of Lockie, Liza, and Rory, please visit www.nac-cna.ca. Click on English Theatre. And now, here are Peter Hinton and Emmy Alcorn. Hello, I'm Peter Hinton, Artistic Director of English <laughs> Theatre here at the Arts Centre, and uh, welcome to today's Hinterview, where uh, we, for on the matinee before each show, uh, interview an artist affiliated with the production. And uh, today we're very, very thrilled to have Emmy Alcorn, who's the Artistic Director of Mulgrave Road Theatre. And before I invite you to join me in welcoming her, I want to tell you a little bit about Emmy. Emmy is currently in her 14th year as Artistic Director, and I'll, we're going to talk about that. I'm in my sixth year and I'm exhausted. 14 years, I don't know how you do it. And she, uh, as the AD, she develops and produces new plays, uh, many of which, like Lockie, Liza, and Rory, have been seen at theaters across the country and in the United States. Her own productions have traveled across Canada, New Zealand. Of particular note, Emmy commissioned and produced a trilogy of world premieres by a very famous uh, Kate Breton playwright, Mr. Daniel McIver and originated the role of Louise in his much-loved play, Marion Bridge. I didn't know that. Her own play, Spin, was recognized as thought-provoking in the Nova Scotia House of Assembly. She's an accomplished actor. She's appeared on stages throughout Nova Scotia and starred in three critically acclaimed one-woman shows. The Highland Widow Trilogy, written for her by Ian Piggott. And this summer, she will produce and star in Daniel McIver's newest play, Bingo. And in the fall, she will perform the role of Patsy in a Patsy Cline tribute show. (laughs) She's a busy gal, our Emmy. Emmy's appeared in feature films, short independent films, and has composed original scores for plays and film. Her award-nominated CD of original songs, Unveil, was released in 2009, and her song, Already Gone, was recently honored by Billboard Magazine's International Song Contest. Emmy is the, recipi- the recent recipient of the Nova Scotia Established Artist Award. Please join me in welcoming Emmy Alcorn. Thank you. Wow. So, Emmy, 
So it, uh, you direct, <laughs> you act, yeah. you sing, you write songs, you produce shows. I mean, have you always done this, or how did that evolve? Because um, I, because I just follow the path of least resistance. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I've I, I I've always just jumped into things that looked interesting to me and. Um, was able able to convince whoever the producer was or whoever the director was that I could actually pull it do off. these things. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, most of the things I've done are, are you know, I just I jump in the water and and uh, uh, and tread as quickly as I can and uh, been able to pull it off. But but it's really it, it, it's been really helpful in my role as artistic director because I I have right. worked in uh-huh. so many different spheres. Yeah. So you know what the, the needs of a playwright are. You know what the needs of the actor is. You know what the yeah. needs of the composer is. Yeah, exactly. Do you know our dramaturg and artistic associate, Paula Denker, you know what she would say about that when I, I said to her, Emmy does everything, my God. She would say, that's a Nova Scotian. That's what she'd say. Do you, what do you think about that response? Do you think that's true? Do you think that's... Um, I don't... I, I think it's very. Uh, I think it's very individual. Yeah. For myself. Yeah. I'm. I, I mean, I, I, growing up, I knew I. I always knew I had uh, many different paths that I could take, and which can be difficult. Yeah. Because you don't make a choice. I remember one time there was a producer at NFB. I was probably 25 at the time, and she said, "You know, Emmy, you." you really need to decide what it is you're going to do. You can't keep doing all these different things. And right. I was kind of... I, I, so I thought it was a bad thing that I was doing yeah. this. But yeah. I'm also an Aries, and Aries tend to get bored very quickly. We're really good at the, you know, starting up projects. And <laughs> <laughs> but do you think there's something to the, the culture and the situation in Nova Scotia that encourages artists to do many things, like Mary Colin Chisholm, who's the director of Lockie Liza Rory, is also an actress, is also a playwright. Christian Murray also it, writes stuff. Yeah. Mac- Natasha McLennan. It's, I, I think there's some... It may be a question of survival in that uh-huh, artist community. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and you do, you do have to uh, take the reins of your own career, you know, if you're working in... In, in the theater world there, if you want to survive. So you uh, need to be good at doing many things. It helps, you know. There, there, there are not a lot of, you know, uh, actors who only act and continue right. to, to survive. And the other thing with me, you know, I've been at Mulgrave Road Theater for years, and it's a very small theater company. You know, there's just myself, the artistic director, and the administrator. That's it. Two people. Yeah, so you have to... You know, yeah. we don't have a design department. We don't have a tech department. You know, when we bring in a, uh, if I hire a lighting designer, that person is often the technical director as well. So, yeah. anybody who works there ha- has to has to have a, a multiplicity of skills. Uh-huh. Can you tell us a bit about Mulgrave Road Theater? Like, <laughs> how did it all start? And well, tell us a, about tell us a, about it. It's a long story. Well, um, we've got forty <laughs> minutes, I think. <laughs> Give well, us the Reader's Digest version, the Coles Notes. Well, in 1977, yeah, uh, it was just after the farm show at Theatre Pass Marai, yeah. you know, when they did that, you know, the play about 
farmers. farmers and you know the place she means? Just, yeah. Putting ordinary Canadians on the stage, which was, which was quite radical at that time. And uh, so there were, there were four young actors who decided, well, we should do that for rural Nova Scotia. And one yeah. of them, uh, his name is Robbie O'Neill, and he was from yes. Mulgrave. So the four of them, they, they got a Canada Council Explorations Grant, I think it was at that time, and they just went down to Guysborough County for the summer and collected stories. I mean, it was, it was the, it's funny, I saw a play yeah. last night called The, the Middle Place at GCTC, oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was based on, they called it verbatim theater. And, uh, but that's what these four actors were doing sure. in 1977. They were collecting stories from, uh, you know, the ordinary lives of these people living in fishing communities. And um, so that was called the Mulgrave Road Show. And it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, it's very funny because they were so, they were so worried, you know, the, the story is they were so worried that they were, the audience was going to uh, run them out of town that they left the, <laughs> they left the car <laughs> at the stage door with the engine running while the show was <laughs> To make their getaway? They won't, yeah. <laughs> and also because three of them weren't from that area. Okay. And so you, you know, so for people from away to come into a small community right. and write a story and try to tell you who you are, I mean, that's audacious. I mean, that's, that's dangerous. Yeah. But uh, of course the, the, uh, the audience loved them because they, they got to see themselves reflected. And so, the, 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 yeah. so that was just, it was a summertime project. And then they met someone who uh, knew all about cooperatives, so they helped them form a co-op. It was an artist co-op for many years. Huh. until 95. Uh, I started working there probably 10 years after they uh, started. I, my first gig there was in 86 as an actor in a, in a script workshop. Yeah. And then I did many things as an actor, a composer, a production assistant. I went on tour and schlepped the gear and I directed a little bit, stage managed and uh, yeah, um, and, so, and sound design. And, yeah, so that's from, the kind of from that you could do first that. show, it built into doing annual show. Now, you're, are you uh, produced in the, in the summertime um, or all year round? We produce the plays when they're, when they're ready to be produced. Right. <laughs> so I have never created a season's brochure, a season brochure. I've, I've just I've never done that because I don't like to be locked in, you know? <laughs> In case for some reason the yeah, play isn't yeah, ready, you know, yeah, I know yeah. it's kind of bizarre. No, but it gives you a, a freedom to respond to the work as it grows and is yeah, ready. Yeah, yeah. And the, the other thing is um, our theater company is based in a community that has a population of under 500. So oh. when we, uh, once opening night is over, everybody in town has basically seen the show. <laughs> <laughs> So we go on tour. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but that was also part of the, the you know, the original, uh, it was never written in the mandate that we tour, but it was always the, the, the idea that uh, uh, the artists wanted to bring theater to people who didn't have access to theater. And, uh, but, you know, over the years, that is, as uh, sort of rural Canada shrinks, it, you know, it's getting more difficult to go into those tiny communities. And as our production values... How so? In, how do you mean? Because Forgive my ignorance. But well, the like, population isn't there, uh -huh. and the 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 small organizations who would be your champions in those communities, those organizations have shrunk as well. 
I see. So and, are you well, saying like it was easier like 15 years oh, ago? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, also because the, I mean, I don't want to bore you with the, the you know, it's government. It's uh, interesting. But, you know, uh, you know, 15 years ago, the provincial government had a program where they would uh, provide shortfall funding. So if you had, a, you know, the local gun club in Country Harbor <laughs> wanted to bring in a play and only 30 people came because that was you all the people in town, you could do it because if they lost money, the provincial government would top them up. Right. And that right. program doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, it's, it's, so, it's, yeah. it's very, the, the business model doesn't make any sense at all right. to, to tour these communities. But there's um, still an important need to do that. And yeah, well, and the other thing that's happened with us, Peter, is that, you know, the, uh, in the early days, you know, there were stories of, you know, the actors would pile into the station wagon and they'd put the set up on the roof rack and cover it with, a, you know, a tarp. Right? right. And that was how they toured. And so you could go into the church halls and the legions and because it wasn't a high production value. But, you know, we've increased our production values yeah. quite a bit now. So now we go into venues. I mean, we used to travel with our own lights, our sound system, and it wow. was crazy. We'd go in at 10 o'clock in the morning, set everything up, be ready to go, bang at 8 o'clock, pack it all up, and then go to the next town. To I the mean, next town, yeah. and you could do that when you were, you know, 22 years old. But <laughs> You know, it's hard to find actors who will do that anymore. But uh, so now we we tend to tour to places that have a full lighting system and a sound system and support, sure. and you know, so we've we've adjusted that. So you know, our, our play that we're doing this summer, you know, we'll take it to instead of touring all around Cape Breton, we'll take it just to Glace Bay to the Savoy Theatre, and then the communities around can travel to us. I've always been curious all my life. There is this gold mine, it seems, of great writers for the theater that come from Cape Breton. Daniel McIver, Bryden McDonald, Sheldon Curry. Michael Melsky. Michael Melsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Audrey Butler. <coughs> Alex and Mary Butler. Colin Chisholm was actually, Mary she Con- was born in Cape Breton. I mean, okay. she grew up in Antigonish, but, you know, she was... What's that about? What, do you think there's a relationship of that place to this number of writers that come from Cape Breton? Well, maybe, maybe because there's still such a strong uh, oral tradition. Is that right, eh? Yeah. I mean, and there's a, there's a, there's a serious oral tradition uh, where I live, too. I mean, Guysborough County is very, you know, it's just across the water from Cape Breton, really. Um, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I could tell you stories about the storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us stories about the stories. And by oral tradition, like, where do stories happen? Like, how does that work? What do you mean by oral tradition? Well, yeah, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other night because I have a very good friend. He lives in a place called Larry's River. He's, uh, he has an Acadian background. And, well, you know, when you're living in a... It's like, it's like you have to make your own entertainment, but... But when he tells a story, he can tell you a story about something that happened on Wednesday, March 12th in 1962 when the wind was blown from the north. I mean, what he remembers detail. those details. And so I've w- often wondered, you know, do, is he always clocking these things as life <laughs> goes by? I got to remember that the wind is blown east so that when I tell the story in 20 years, I can yeah. remember that. But I think people... people uh, when, when people give a, a, a advice to a fr- if someone's going to give advice to a friend, they won't tell them what to do. They'll tell them a story, 
and hopefully that person will pick up the advice through the story. Yeah, we, and you see that in, in Sheldon's play, don't you? That storytelling is very out there. The, the, the play begins and you'll see it. I want, I'm not, this is not a spoiler alert. You don't have to stick your fingers <coughs> in yours. And says, I'm going to tell you a story. And well, and she's sitting in the kitchen. Incredible wisdom that comes through that story, too. That's right. Know? Yeah, and she's sitting in the kitchen, which is usually where the stories happen. Yes. To, you know, in my experience. But I, it's also, it's, it's a, uh, the, the Scots are known for uh, uh, that oral history. Uh-huh. So I think there's maybe some of that. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I'm sure there's a... Um, I'm just talking yeah. about my own yeah. experience. You know, it's... Um, I noticed it right away, like uh, I had the, the company to my house as a social thing to welcome them. And I am very, very anal and Presbyterian about my kitchen. <laughs> no one goes in my kitchen but me. You let me and in, Amy no. goes, well, you'll have to kick me out of your house to get me out of the kitchen. <laughs> and so she stood by me in the kitchen all night long. Because that's where you were comfortable. That's where you meet everybody. That's where yeah. all the stories happen. That's where the party always ends up, doesn't it? I've never understood why people have living rooms. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, know you sit in the couch and then you can't get out. I keep saying, like, look at it, what a beautiful room there with everything set up. No one was in it. And everyone's in my postage stamp kitchen like this. Talking. I don't know, maybe it's more active. Yeah. And, and you're close to the fridge, you know. Close to the fridge, <laughs> close to the beer. Yeah. I know. Tell us about Sheldon. And how long have you known Sheldon Curry? Tell us about him, because you, you've been friends with him for a very long time, eh? Yeah, well, I, I guess I met him in 1995. Okay. When I first started, because Mary Vingo. Yes. You know, she was the artistic director of Magnetic North, and, you know, she's a... We've had Mary here many times. Yeah. I'm sure you have, yeah. She, uh, she was adapting the company store for Mulgrave Road Theatre. So that was a project that was, had started before I got there, so I was kind of taking it over. And yeah. So that's when I met him. I mean, I always knew who he was, because I grew up in Antigonish, and, yeah. and uh, that's where he taught. What's he like? How would you describe it, though, ma'am? Um, he's um, kind of humble. Very funny. You know that line about. Um, oh, can I give? Can I say one you line can from give the play? It, yeah, sure. And he talks about the kid going off to college, and he says, he says, uh, oh yeah, no, he, he's he's pretty smart. I don't think college can take it out of him that quick. <laughs> that Sheldon. Eh? Yeah, and he and he, you know, he's worked at university all his life, you know, but he's. He's, and he's from he's, where? He's gently subversive. Maybe I could say that. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. He, he, knows how to, he knows how to take a, a fact, or what we think is a fact, or an assumption, and flip it over, and, and then and, and show it to us. And he's, just, he's like that all the time. He's a very gentle soul. How old is he? Oh, well, he's, he must be in his late 70s by now. Yeah. He's been retired for a while. And he's been writing for how long? <clears throat> I don't know all that. I mean, he's been writing forever. You yeah. know, he's, he's got a book of short stories, at least one book of short stories called the Glace Bay Miners Museum, which yes, that which was... A lot of us know into here. a play and, and a movie. And, uh, uh, and, and, he's, and where's he from? 
Well, he's from Reserve Mines. Reserve Mines. I do believe, you know, which is close to Grace Bay. Does he come from Bay. a mining family? <laughs> You'll have to ask him that. I, I'm not sure. Okay. And the mining, I ask I because mining takes such a, a big part of his life. It's a big part of his fiction. It's a bit like certainly in Well, he's would have grown up in that community. Right. Absolutely. Right. And he chooses to write about that and to put that in the world of his, his drama, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, he writes what he knows, uh-huh. which is why it makes it so authentic. And, and how did you get introduced to this play, Lockie, Lies, and Rory? Well, he, it was originally... Um, it was originally produced at Festival Anaganish, which is about a 45-minute drive from where I am. They have a summer festival there, and it was kind of a workshop production. And they played it for three nights, I think. And they only had... Because it's repertory theatre, the two actors who were in it at that time were involved in three other plays, and so they probably had an equivalent of four days rehearsal. Mm. You can imagine, you know, this, this show was a marathon for the actors. Yeah, you'll see that today. Two actors play everybody. Yeah. So I, I saw it and immediately thought, oh my gosh, you know, this, this play needs to go further. It needs to at least tour Nova Scotia to, to yeah. our audience. And I felt that it could probably, you know, use a bit yeah. more development because it was, it was slapped together, yeah. really. And... Um, uh, so I talked to Mary Collin and talked to Sheldon and, and, uh, and Mary Collin was, yeah, she totally agreed it needed, it needed to go somewhere. So we did a, <clears throat> excuse me, a week-long workshop and brought Sheldon in and the actors and fleshed it out a little bit more. Which is really interesting because if you've read Sheldon Curry's short stories, you'll know, and I just learned this on this production, Lockie, Liza, and Rory, the story is <clears throat> eight pages long. And when you see the play, you'll go... It's so full. It, 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 it feels like it's a 300-page novel that's been condensed at Glace Bay Miners Museum. Eight pages. It's, incre- it's, crazy. it's an incredible skill to create such a vivid world yeah. so concisely. <clears throat> so Sheldon came in and, and worked on the script in the workshop, and then the... the yeah, we really just dug, <clears throat> dug right into it and found out, you know... The, if there are any contradictions in there and, and you know, the, the through lines of the characters yeah. and, you know, made sure that everything was making sense and then fleshed a few things out. And so it became a little bit longer, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and then we took it to, it was a, a festival on Dartmouth called On the Waterfront. It's now called Supernova Festival. But we took it there and Mary Vingo saw it and she invited to Magnetic North and then at Magnetic North in, in Edmonton that's where a presenter from New Zealand saw it, and he invited us to go there for three f- festivals. And so, what was that like playing the show in New Zealand? You know, I didn't get to go because uh, I was working on another show. But I do, you know, uh, I. You must have I, had stories that they told you about it. Did, you, did Oh yeah, I mean the re- the reviews were were fantastic, and um, you know, just the fact that uh, uh, the presenter. Yeah wanted to do all that work because he wanted to bring us to his festival but he also promoted us to the other artistic directors so yeah, he was yeah, really yeah. excited but do and, you, and do you think a, uh, the new zealanders saw something in it that they could identify with their own experience oh yeah well there's a real cultural affinity between nova scotia and new zealand what is that it, there there's a um a, a coal mining industry there and i do believe there are a lot of there are a lot of scottish there's a, a scottish heritage there yep. 
Um, so those are two things right there. And, and, and New Zealand is kind of like the, it's the, the smaller island underneath the big... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's that sense of... In Nova Scotia, of course, is you know, the little province, you know, uh. compared to Ontario. And, I mean, there's that... It creates a... What does it create? It creates a sensibility or... Yeah, yeah. Point so, of yeah. view, uh, Point of habit view. of mind, all those things. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the show is produced in association with Frankie Productions. That's right. And uh, <coughs> what is Frankie Productions? Frankie Productions, well, that's Mary Collin and Christian. Yes. <coughs> and Christian's in the play, and Mary Collin's the director. Yeah, they, they formed that company. As a lot of artists do in Nova Scotia, when they're trying to create their own work, and they, they need to get support to do that, they'll form a company in order to, to create a, a project. So Frankie Productions came together to produce the original, well, they produced the show called Frankie, which was Mary Ellen McLean, oh, did yes. a one-woman show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they helped her produce yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did I just do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, I think they produced Underneath the Lintel with okay, yeah. Christian. So, you know, it, it, it's... They form the company so they can um, so they can produce so these projects. They could projects. take the, their project on, and and they did it last year in in Halifax, eh, at the bus stop theater. Yeah, well, I guess what what happened was there was an opportunity to take Lockie and Liza and Rory to Summerworks Festival, and in Toronto, and there was about you know six weeks notice to do this, and we were already oversubscribed in terms of the work we were doing at at Mulgrave Road, yeah, so we yeah. couldn't take the opportunity so we said well you know why Here's don't you, why don't you take guys it yeah. take yeah, it yeah. so we gave them you know the, yeah. the costumes and the you know whatever we had to support that and and so they they went off and and did and it was very risky because at summer works you i believe you you just take the box office so to travel from nova scotia to toronto oh, yeah, and, yeah. and have all those expenses and but because of that they ended up uh they ended up taking it further they went to the yukon yeah to whitehorse but it's yeah, it's funny how those things happen because the artistic director at U at the UConn play I saw it in Edmonton when we were, we were there in two thousand and four. So it, there it are is. many there are many players in in. Uh, it's a it's a touring. real improvisation, isn't it? Like producing work because you have a plan and then you have to be responsive to opportunities as they it, come it, up. That's and right, and sometimes you can take advantage of them, and sometimes you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we're really happy that you could take advantage of our invitation yeah, to come. Yeah, well, we're thrilled and to so be here. so Frankie Productions and Mulgrave Road Theatre got together to be able to bring this show here. And I am so, so happy about that. I'm wondering if there are any questions that uh, some of our audience here today might have for Emmy about Sheldon Curry, about Mulgrave Road, about the play Long Lies and Rory. You need not be shy, <laughs> but yeah. Well, this isn't exactly a, a question about that, but you saw the middle road. The middle, the middle place, place, yeah. Yes, and you said it was verbatim theater. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the question, is that? Okay, the question is, Emmy referred to, I just have to repeat it for our listeners, um, that Emmy referred to a play that calls itself verbatim theater, and the question is, what is that? <laughs> Now, as I understand it, now there's someone in the back row who could correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, Brian Quirt is here, but um, uh, it's they actually it's when you take um, 
the, the words from people you interview and use those words exactly as they were spoken as, as the text for the play. It's, if, it, look, it's a if very you have popular a chance to see this play at GCTC, that a lot it's, uh, of companies are doing today, where I would like interview <coughs> you, and exactly what you say is the text the actor would speak. And what I thought was interesting, I mean, you were observing one, it's very courant, it's very uh, considered new, and yet Emmy's pointing to its traditions that go back. To, to well, the farm that's show how our to, company yeah. started. Yeah. Was was uh, we did they didn't call it verbatim theater. They sort of call it collective theater. Yeah, you know, yeah, and all yeah. the actors went out. That was what all you know. All the actors went out and talked to people, and the actors brought the words back, and then they sat on the table and cut and paste. And you might have heard of a play called The Laramie Project by Moses Kaufman, an American play about the the killing of Matthew Shepard in Laramie, uh, Wyoming. And they went to that community and interviewed everyone in the community and did a play with the actual interviews as the source of the text. Yeah. I'm just going to ask about the choice of music. Did you use okay. uh, fiddle music, uh, ah. original music? There is a live fiddler in the show, Maddie Rankin. There is a live, yeah, but, but there, there is a mix of music. There's actually an yeah. Italian aria sung at one point, and there's some <laughs> jazz music. But it's interesting you ask that question because when you were asking about, you know, when did I first meet Sheldon Curry? Yeah. And my very first meeting with Sheldon Curry, you know, 95, when we were talking about producing the company store, um, you know, we had this meeting and and I said, yeah, so for the music, I said, I imagine, you know, you're going to want some fiddle music. And he said, he said, we never listened to fiddle music growing up in my house. It was all jazz because, of course, I listened to the radio. So oh, he grew up listening that... to jazz music. So there's a, there's a and mix. And there's that in the show, too, yeah. There is a little bit of yeah, that, yeah. yeah. And um, when, the show, when we did the show, uh, there was no fiddler. So all of the music was, uh, you know, sound cues. But uh, that, that was one of the things that Frankie added. Actually, they added a fiddler. I think it was for when they did it at, Celt when they did it at Celtic Colors in Cape Breton. Okay. You know, so they could kind of get under the wire of being a, a well, it <laughs> being it a it music also adds festival. a whole other <laughs> oh. world to it. It's beautiful. Oh, to have the really live enjoy music. Maddie's playing today. And she also has <coughs> merchandising. She has CDs for sale, too, after the show, which uh, she's great. There's, there's also several languages in the show, too, eh? Yeah, there's English, French, Italian, and Gaelic, and Latin. Yeah. So five that, that I can of think of. And is that Is that, like, the Italian thing? I was surprised at when I first saw it, because, again, I'm not from there, so I don't know. And they... Well, there were a lot of Italian immigrants there okay. the, to work in the coal mines. Right. So, you know, uh, there's, there's still an Italian community there. I mean, and Greek, you know, you can get the best... When I lived in Antigonish, you know, going to Sydney was a great thrill because you could buy feta cheese and uh, black olives, you know. <laughs> that was before you could get them in the regular grocery store. And, right. And I'm talking right. in the early 80s. Yeah, you look yeah. at uh, Anne-Marie MacDonald's work. Uh -huh. And you got uh, English, Gaelic, and uh, Arabic. Exactly, yeah. We've been right. enjoying this week the audience members who get the Gaelic. Oh, uh, yeah. You can hear it when they, because he cusses <laughs> a mainstream in Gaelic at one point. You can hear the Gaelic speakers go, oh, they know what he's saying. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. I was wondering how the Cape Bretoners respond to it. How do Cape Bretoners respond to the show? Uh, well, 
they love it. They get it. It's them. They see themselves. I mean, you can tell, you know, at the beginning when the, as soon as the fiddle player starts doing a, you can tell, yeah. uh, Strass Bay, you know, the, you can tell how many uh, Cape Bretoners are in the audience by the <laughs> they number start of tapping their toes. You can hear <laughs> it on the sea on the floor and stuff. <laughs> Well, there's always something special when you're sitting in an, you know, in a theater, and your life is being reflected. You know, it doesn't happen so much anymore. You know, so yeah. so directly. Someone said to me the other night. They said, "Now, will the actors do the accents?" And I said, "No, they have the accents." <laughs> They don't do them. They have them. Well, yeah. Well, Natasha is from Inverness County. Yeah, she so, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, the Latin comes from, uh, you know, because they used to do the, the the in the Catholic Church the whole um, uh-huh. mass used to be done in Latin, of course, and there's the Italian and I don't know where the French comes from. I think it's the French teacher. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, there are Acadians living in yes, Cape Breton as well, of right? Yeah. It's a real mix, you know. Nova Scotia is not just a bunch of Scots, right? Yeah, it's a real. And you uh, really get that in the play, that mix. And I love how the mother at first is very prejudicial about the Italians, and then she's suspicious more. Suspicious, yeah, and then yeah. she's thrilled with. She learns to speak Italian. She <laughs> Italian, yes. Yeah, she gets very <laughs> persuaded by the the culture. Yeah. 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 This is sort of a comment. Yes. Um, I lived briefly in Newfoundland and worked in amateur theater. And that was a group of people who, in the social times, would sit around and tell stories. Mm. That's still going on. It's mm. not something that's disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The comment is that uh, uh, Margaret was working in Newfoundland and observed the storytelling happening today and the culture and it's alive and very much a part of that experience for her too. Yes. In moving from shorter to longer to longer versions of this, uh, were there workshop sessions where the actors participated, improvised? Yeah, we, we did a, 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 a week-long workshop and that was the playwright, the director, and the two actors. Yeah. It's it's really important, to, you know, in in some situations to get the actor's point of view because because they they can look at the writing from the character point of view that is often very enlightening for the playwright. Yeah. And of course, it depends on the individuals in the room too. Do you know a woman told me the other night because uh, I I made a real faux pas where I said are you familiar with Sheldon Curry and Kate Breton and she looked at me and she went I'm from Glace Bay she says <laughs> and uh, she was telling me that there's an expression that what mining communities create have you heard this preachers teachers and coal preachers teachers and coal yeah and I thought that was really fitting yeah to the play and think of like Kitty's story, think of Rory, young Rory's story, think of Sheldon's stories. Yeah, you know? I've never heard that. Never, yeah, that's what she that's what she told me. But we had, you know, it was funny because then there was someone from Any Ganesh, and there was 
And I said, wow, there's all these Nova Scotians. And like, I met this woman over here and the woman from Antigonish went, oh yeah, but she's from Amherst. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, it's great. Well, we are, you know, it is such a great, important thing. Like I, I really believe this, you know, about someone said, like, is it the regional thing or is it an art thing when you pick plays? And to me, they're both. Part of the art that we do is related to where we're from. And so if we are going to be the National Art Center of Canada and be serious about that, it's really important we have works like this and artists like you and that we um, are very, very happy to have this show here. Well, so. yeah, we're, we're so thrilled to be. I mean, it's a big deal for our little theater company out in the boonies to be here <laughs> in this, you know, fabulous wow. organization. So we so appreciate it. Well, right on. So please join me in thanking Emmy Thank you. Thank you. That's all for this edition of the Hinterviews podcast. Send us your comments and questions. You can reach us by sending an email to hinterviews at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NEC podcasts by visiting www.nac-cna.ca slash podcasts. There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also easily find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store search on interviews. If you'd like to stay in touch with news and updates from the NAC English Theatre, sign up for a free e-bulletin by visiting www.nac-cna.ca slash email alerts. You can find us on Facebook. Become a fan of the NAC English Theatre on Facebook by entering NAC English Theatre into the search bar. Until next time, this is Sean Fitzpatrick for Peter Hinton and Company saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. Ottawa.